All right, so as I just uh, introduced you already to everybody, um, I'll introduce you again, um, Ken, um, and Ken is the director of Go Serve Global in Haiti. And so Ken, if you would um, just take some time to tell everybody who you are, what's your day job, because you have a day job, Yes. And, um, and then share a little bit about how you got involved with, um, or actually co-started Go Serve Global and, okay. and that. So sure. I'll take it away. Well, my day job is farming. I've been uh, born and raised on a farm in Northwest Iowa, and my wife and I still live there. And uh, so that's what feeds the fix, if you will, of going to Haiti. But that's, uh, that certainly wasn't where I was uh, for many years. I learned to fly, and our family is there. My oldest son came back to farm with us. And uh, I always thought my place in this big thing as far as missions was concerned is to uh, write the check mm. and support people that were missionaries. Sure. And then in 2010, January 12th, the earthquake happened in Haiti. Yeah. And I'm a private pilot. I'd flown to the Bahamas several times. And three days after the earthquake, I got an email that said, we're looking for planes and pilots. And mm. I thought, yeah, I can do that. Had no idea what it, what we were getting into. But there was a young group in, in the Bahamas that were just young enough. They thought they could pull this off. And uh, their mission was going to be flying medical supplies into Haiti. Mm. So yet that night, I find myself in Fort Lauderdale with another gentleman from uh, Alabama. and uh, Doing the same thing as you're doing. It, we loaded our planes okay. that night. Wow. And sat there and looked at each other like, what in the world did we get into? Wow. And how are we going to get out of this? <laughs> and uh, I'd never done anything like that. And I'd, I'd looked for ways of using my plane, but it just never really worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything significant, I would say, for, the, uh, for serving the Lord. But we found ourselves flying into Haiti. And uh, we did that for, we'd make a, a trip a day. For several weeks. Several weeks. Day after day for several weeks. Day after weeks. day. We could only make one trip a day. We ended up um, being based out of Nassau, Bahamas, uh-huh. but we couldn't figure out any way to make more than one trip a day. So one trip a day, we would would bring in uh, medical supplies and uh, began to realize that the disaster was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it grew every day. You'd hear more on the news of it grew from 5,000, 10,000, 50,000. Nobody will ever know, but somewhere in the neighborhood Dead. of 250,000 people. Wow. And uh, so we were doing what we could do. And Bahamas Habitat organized the, the medical flights and, and all this, and, and we'd load the plane and go. Mm. And uh, about three weeks into it, I was able to uh, get into Lakai, is where we're based out of now, mainly with GoServe in, in Haiti. Brought a doctor in from Michigan, and uh, he, he was talking about that he's, he had been going to Haiti one week a month for the last seven years and doing surgeries. Mm. And uh, that day I took him in, he had 250 people waiting for surgery. Wow. And he had the supplies that he had in his suitcases. Wow. Just a really neat, godly man. So my 
mission, if I could, was to take Dr. Tenhoff medicine every day and supplies. Wow. And that's what connected me with Lakai. So, so there was an airstrip there that was obviously correct, somewhat destroyed or something, and finally it opened up, and they somehow connected you and brought well, you in there. Really, there wasn't a lot of damage in Lakai. Okay. Uh, the epicenter of the hur- the hurricane, the earthquake, was in Port-au-Prince area. Right, right. And we're 84 miles from there. So mm-hmm. there was some damage, but our main uh, damage, if you will, was people coming out of the Port-au-Prince area just looking for a place to survive. Oh, and, wow. And so Lakai began to grow with people that didn't have any place to go and people that needed surgery and you could see it from the air every day and uh that the blue tarps from samaritan's purse kept growing and the city grew from 30 to 40,000 to 130,000 within weeks wow so you just saw these people coming out of the capital and just Mm -hmm. migrating out to just find simply help anything anything and they many of them were injured obviously yes and the roads were closed. You couldn't get out of Port-au-Prince with uh, the only road that's there. And uh, it was damaged too much. So they were walking or whatever they could to get out of, out of Port-au-Prince. And uh, so I did that for several weeks. Went home and shared the story with my family and my church. Mm-hmm. And went back for another two or three weeks. And uh, this time I brought my wife, Jill, and kids, because we'd planned to go to the Bahamas on a vacation before all this happened. March 6th was going to be the last day I was going to fly to Haiti. And I asked one of the uh, kids with Bahamas Habitat if they had anybody could take me out and show me around the area. I hadn't been out of an air, airport. Oh, yeah, because you've just been flying just drop and, and go, yeah. drop and go. Hmm. And March 6th was was going to be my last day to Haiti. I'm going to go home, go on vacation. We did a good thing. Life's yeah. going to get back to normal. Right. Sure, they found someone, and I ended up spending a couple of hours riding around in the back of a pickup with uh, Eddie Constant. And uh, he began to share his story. And I could see firsthand the disaster, the the desperation in the eyes of the people that just didn't have anything or any place to go. And uh, so it was, that was a real experience for me that day. But Eddie began to share that he was going to start an orphanage. He'd started that prior to the earthquake and shared his heart and uh, said, do you want to take time to come out and see where I'm going to build an orphanage? And I said, yeah, I don't have time, but sure. (laughs) And we looked at the property and... uh, he said, well, we'll stop on the way back and uh, I'll introduce you to 15 little girls that I have in a rented house and they'll sing to you and they'll give you a peck on the cheek. And they did. And as I would tell Eddie, they screwed up my life. Mm. They changed my life forever. And uh, I went back to Nassau that night and told my wife that this is not over. The Lord has something for us way beyond what's happened so far. I just mm-hmm. knew it as sure as anything that's ever happened. The Lord placed Eddie at that airport that day for me. And without that meeting that day, GoServe wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying anything about me. Mm-hmm. That's saying everything about the Lord and a divine appointment 
that he put Eddie and I together that day. Mm. And so I came home and and we talked and shared. Anybody that would slow down, I would share what happened. This just had a tremendous impact in my life. Sure. And a good friend, Terry Baxter, uh, that we'd supported. He's one of those crazy missionaries, you know, with uh, evangelistic skills and all those kind of things. We'd supported him for years. And uh, he came over to our house and we shared the story and began to talk. And within a couple of weeks, we came up with what we thought we should do, what the Lord was calling us to do is to start a small foundation. Mm -hmm. And we'd been supporting Terry in an orphanage in, in India. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where our heart was, those orphans. And so let's start a, a foundation for those two orphanages, Eddie's Orphanage and the one in India. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we started mm -hmm. without a vision of much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we soon learned that the Lord had a much bigger vision and plan for Go Serve than we ever dreamt. Mm -hmm. And so it continues to grow today. So who is Eddie? What, what is his role now? Well, when I met Eddie, he was working for the UN. Okay. And uh, he was, and that was another thing with that whole story. He didn't have time to meet me that day, okay. but he was there and, and met me. But his heart, he and his wife, June, their heart is to care for kids. And obviously there's a lot of need for kids to be taken care of in Haiti. Sure. And that's where his heart is. It's where his, uh, his gift is. Mm. So he runs the orphanage there, the, the main orphanage, the Constellation Center. Um, he's full-time. We were able to talk him into quitting working for the UN. the UN sure yeah as you do most days yeah yeah and, and in a Haitian culture you don't give up a job like that a job yeah especially one like that wow so yeah. it took us a couple of years to talk him into that yeah and uh, but he's a very neat person mm. in his ability to to take a, a penny and stretch it further than anybody I've ever seen in my life wow. and help more people in the process so that's grown from a uh, a uh, small girls' orphanage to uh, one that has 85 to 90 girls there. We have a boys' orphanage. We have uh, a baby and widow uh, project, uh, a school of about 750 kids there on that site, a clinic, a dental clinic, and then other orphanages and, and other projects that we've expanded to as time has gone on. And uh, it's uh, it's hard to say no. Sure. So um, when you go down, you you just have to decide what you're going to do and what you mm -hmm. can do, what sure. the Lord lays on your heart, and you do what you can. Sure. There probably isn't ever going to be enough. Sure. In a situation like that. Yeah. Tell me if you would uh, a little bit about that situation, um, because I think you know we just most of us, especially those of us who have never um, intentionally gone to a third world mm -hmm. country, um, have no perspective on what um, Haiti is, looks like. What is sure. the day in the life of a Haitian? Why are there so many orphans? Um, mm -hmm. Can you give us some context of, you know, what that looks like? Why is it so, um, uh, such a challenging environment? Yeah. 
I get an opportunity to talk to kids in elementary, middle schools once in a while. And uh, I think about that question, how do I get those kids to understand that? They've been raised in Iowa. Yeah. You know? Treat us like the elementary school kids. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get up in front of the class. I'll say, well, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Well, everybody's going. I had Wheaties. I had Oreos. Or, uh, <laughs> um, well, probably cher- some do yeah. have Oreos. Yeah. Cheerios. <laughs> Cheerios. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of things, you yeah. know, they'll all have an answer and they're glad to tell you. Sure. Well, you won't get that question in Haiti. Mm. The question is, have you found food today? Mm. And you think about the difference there. And kids get it. They understand that 60 to 70% of the kids in Haiti probably won't eat today. Mm. And that these kids here in the States can understand that. And that really grabs them. But a typical day where there isn't much employment, um, most people have to uh, be entrepreneurs and make up their own job one way or the other, have a small very small business because the jobs are few and far between. And small business, explain what a small business is because <laughs> a small business in the U.S. is different than a small business in Haiti. Sure. They'll, they'll have small crafts that they make themselves. They, uh, they might be a laborer and go look for labor job that day. Um, those kind of things, they'll... Uh, Maybe buy, if they have enough money, they'll buy a bag of rice and they'll go around and sell it to their neighbors Mm. and make a profit that way. Just any little thing makes a difference. Sure. And uh, where the average salary, if you will, for a day worker is about six to seven dollars a day. And uh, if you don't have that, it's pretty tough. Yeah. So a um, uh, family will get up in the morning early. There's no electricity, so they they operate by daylight. They'll get up, and if they're fortunate enough to have a little food, they'll have a breakfast. And they're off trying to find a way of making an ends meet. Maybe one of the kids will have to walk for water, maybe have to walk two or three miles to find water in a stream or a well of some sort. Um, and that's one of the, the problems with poverty at that level is you might spend all day just surviving. Mm. You know, they come out of this little shack, they have nothing. They're going to try to find a little bit of food for yeah. their family today. And it's just a survival mentality. Not, they can't plan for the future. There's nothing for the future. It's what can I raise? What can I find for food to to feed my family today. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I would imagine combined, yeah, you can't, there's no grocery store. I mean, there's no place to get food. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to figure that out. There's no easy accessible place to get water. Mm-hmm. And so how can you find a mm-hmm. job? Mm-hmm. Um, and how can you find a job if you have no money to even buy tools or resources? And sure. it's just, um, I think probably most Americans would say uh, that would leave you in a really tough spot of how would you move forward? I would yeah. imagine. And so therefore you have poverty, systemic mm-hmm. widespread poverty. Exactly. So, um, and, and then trying to raise kids in that and, and that is leads into the need for orphanages because there's kids, but 
no homes, in some cases, no parents. I mean, how does, mm-hmm. where does that such a sizable need come from? Well, the, the family uh, in Haiti many times is broken. Uh, the men maybe go to Port-au-Prince and try to find a job and they leave and one thing leads to another and there's, and he didn't have any money. He gets tired of sitting there trying to uh, feed a family with no money. So he might just get up and leave. Mm. Um, one thing that's really not condoned, but it's overlooked as a necessity is, is a domestic slave. Uh, they would call it a, a restavic where because of this, where you've got four or five, six kids that haven't eaten for a week, what are you going to do? Uh, they might sell one of their kids to a neighbor or um, somebody they don't even know with the idea that they'll take care of that child. They'll work them as a domestic slave, but at least they're probably going to eat and I'll have money to feed my family for a few days. Hmm. You know, you and I can't even begin to imagine doing that right but it's done out of um, necessity desperation uh, and sometimes just love for the kids and so many times we have in their in our orphanages kids that aren't necessarily an orphan because they don't have any parents but they've got a maybe they've got a mom maybe they've got a dad around but they've they just don't have any way of feeding them so they're poverty or orphans. You know, you might have a mom that shows up once a month to see their kids at the orphanage. So it's a it's a, a different thing than we we might think here in the states. So the hope with the orphanages is um, a, a third option, essentially. Yeah. yeah. The first day I met Eddie, we talked about his vision and. Uh, at that point, I thought, you've got to get these kids out of here. They're going to die. We've, you know, Being an American, we've got to get them back to the States and take care of them. He said, that's great for that one that's adopted out, but there's a thousand kids right behind him, and you can't adopt kids out of Haiti fast enough to, to change that. Mm. So his vision was to take kids in need and bring them into an orphanage, um, give them a, a, a bed, a good meal, once or twice a day, uh, an education, which is unique as well, because you've got to pay for an education. And most importantly, share the gospel mm-hmm. with these kids, teach them a different way of thinking and integrate them back out into society and Haiti. And that's how you change a country like Haiti is a different way of thinking. And, uh, like most of the time he was right, I was wrong. And, uh, even now, a few years into this, we're starting to see these older kids mature and uh, young adults, and they continue to surprise us and amaze us with what mm. they're doing, wanting to go out and share the gospel, creating their own teams to do so mm. through music and sharing the word. And it's just a neat thing to see where these kids are going. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome to see the fruit of, of all those, mm-hmm. those years of labor. I mean, when, cause when you say a way of thinking, um, com- compare and contrast that <laughs> for us a little bit, like you're talking about what, what, what are we starting with? Mm-hmm. And then we walk away as a Christ follower. What, what do we have then? And what are you seeing as that difference? Well, you start with a, a kid that's being raised in a home 
with a mom or a dad or both that have never been to school. Mm. So they they have no education in that regard. Um, so their way of thinking is what they've seen around them. And their, their world is pretty small. Mm. I talked to a, a young man probably in his mid-20s the other day that came off uh, out of the rice fields, if you will, to the road. And it couldn't have been more than two miles to the main road. He'd never been to the main road. Mm. He's 20-some years old. Yeah, wow. His his community was that small. Right, right. So their their world is and their vision is that small. Right. So you have to start from square one, and you take kids that are. We have a lot of kids from the community that come to school. Well, mom and dad can't help them with their homework, mm. and and these kids maybe are eight, ten, twelve years old before they go to school at all. So they have to start at square one. And, uh, and mom and dad don't know anything about it to help them. So it's, uh, you start at the bottom and work up these kids. I don't mean to imply they're not intelligent. They're, they're smart kids. They're good kids. They love to work and they love to go to school. Yeah. And here, you know, you kind of got to drag the kids out of bed in the morning. A little complacent maybe or something. A little bit. But in in Haiti, if you're going to school, you wear a uniform. And each school has a different color uniform. And they are proud of that uniform. Sure. It's it's really a fun thing to watch kids go to school and how how excited they are to go and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but it takes a while. Yeah. And to give them a vision of things way beyond what they've seen is right. really important. You know, right. they've by then they've seen a doctor and a nurse and and a teacher and and those kinds of things. And, and we we have a fair amount of agriculture, being a bunch of farmers down there, and uh, so we're teaching them agriculture as well. It's a farming community, mm. so trying to broaden their vision and give them hope and something that they can do to, to make right. a living and live, live their life. Yeah. Yeah. We always talk, you know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mm-hmm. it's tough to pursue or to dream of something that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see how just even that alone and giving kids that opportunity, um, that po- those possibilities can change the whole dynamic mm-hmm. for a person and possibly in time a country because mm-hmm. without that, I mean, there, there's no future, right? No. I mean, that's so, that's so challenging. They, uh, it doesn't take them long. We've been able to get internet to the, the center there. So they have some access to that. And, and, uh, we were talking to some of the girls one night, some of the older girls and, and asked Amika what she wanted to do when she, grew up she said uh, I want to go to Israel and share the gospel with those people they need the gospel mm-hmm. and I have a vision and she's an excellent singer and a lot of times she'll be on worship team Sunday morning but she you know it just surprised me that she had figured this out that that's oh, sure. where there was a place to minister to. Yeah. And I'm thinking the country even exists. I yeah, mean, yeah, exactly. But she, that was her vision. Right. But a lot of times you'll hear, and we ask our kids once a year when we try to do a report to their sponsors, 
um, what do you want to do when you graduate and get out of school? And some of them will never graduate. They were too far behind. Mm. Uh, and you'll get a lot of teachers, doctors, nurses, and uh, of course, pilots. They see me okay, flying sure. yeah. and they all want to fly to Iowa, you know, with who, me. Who but, doesn't? Yeah. Really? Like, let's be honest. Who wouldn't yeah. want to fly to Iowa? So you get those kind of answers. Sure. And, uh, but they're creative. Going kind of back to that, give me a sense of, I, I would assume from a Jesus perspective, there's values there that are also uncommon. I mean, in a, an environment where survival is key, you don't think forgiveness, you don't think mercy, you think I have to do what it takes. Um, so can you share a little bit about what that means and what that experience has been for these kids um, and the impact that has for them as and challenge, I'm sure, to some extent of oh, sure. understanding some of these concepts, maybe? For sure. Well, Haiti has a voodoo background, so okay. you deal with a lot of the spiritism type things to start with. Uh, but yet it's, it has a fair amount of experience with uh, Christianity at different levels. So you have the collision of that. Mm. So, yeah, you do have the survival mentality, uh, but yet... Uh, what we see probably most is their reliance on God. They know they can't do it on their own. Mm. So when we're in church next Sunday singing the same songs many times as you and I sing on Sunday morning, it's just at a whole different level. Because it isn't words. It's passion. It's an understanding that... I have to rely on the Lord for where I'm going to get food yet today. Hmm. And so that passion is very uh, contagious hmm. and compelling to me uh, as, uh, you know, I, I love going to church in Haiti. It's a neat thing with our, our friends, our kids, hmm. all those kinds of things. It's, it's quite an experience. And I, I fight that sometimes when I come home. Hmm the complacency mm. because we think we can do it on our own and many times physically we can you know i've probably got enough meat in the freezer for a month at home sure. i can survive on my own and that that builds into a mindset of i don't need god mm. where many times in a in a haitian culture and these kids that come out of those kind of situations, they know they can't do it on their own. Mm. And they've found faith in the one that can provide. And it's a very, it's a neat thing. Yeah. And the passion and the excitement for their, their newfound faith is just a tremendous thing to be part of. Yeah. So you're saying, I mean, they're, they connect the dots to the reason Ken is here and the reason this, this, school exists is because of of people who want them to know the love of God and that God is coming through in this and that's where I'm I mean he he's spiritually and physically saving me mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. um is that am I getting that right is what you, you're saying uh, you sure are they understand that and it's 
you know, many times we talk about building homes and building orphanages sure. and schools and all that kind of thing. The physical things, feeding kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, digging wells, those right. things we talk about. But when you go build a home for a family that's never had anything other than a couple of pieces of tin and, and palm leaves, you build them a, a home that's going to last for 80 years. They, they say, why'd you do that for right. me? Yeah, makes perfect and, sense. Well, let me share why I'm I'm doing this for you, why we're doing this for you. Sure. Because of the love of Christ. And they're so open to hear the gospel when you do those kind of things, you know. And uh, it just amazes me sometimes how quickly they respond to the gospel after, after you take care of their physical needs. And, and that's where the gospels are. You look at, at the gospels in, in the New Testament Christ's heart to care for the poor and the needy, the widows and the orphanage. You know, we mm-hmm. have a we have a baby and widow project, John or James one twenty seven, you know, pure and faultless in the sight of God mm-hmm. is to care for the the orphans and the widows. Mm-hmm. That's where his heart was, is, mm-hmm. and and we're required to do that. Mm-hmm. If you look at Matthew twenty five you know, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done yeah. it to me, for me. Right. And if you haven't, then the other side of that is pretty condemning. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, from an American context, uh, you know, trying to share a message of light and darkness, you know, it's like, well, you know, I can find light in a lot of different places, but uh, mm-hmm. for a Haitian to experience that kind of love in the midst of their current life mm-hmm. is I bet it feels like light really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it probably boggles the mind. I would imagine someone being so generous um, to do that. I think you're right. It, uh, they, they just don't have anything to compare that to. Sure. And they, they think, and rightly so, if you're an American in Haiti, you're probably rich, and you're rich compared. You are compared to, to them, everybody yeah. around you, for sure. Yeah, doesn't take a lot. No, so it's a it's a dramatic thing, darkness and light, hmm. and they they get it, they understand it. Yeah, we're doing this Be Rich campaign. We've talked about that, and we're we're going to be supporting Go Serve. Um, but, and, and that's important, but then also there's the actual boots on the ground. I mean, somebody has mm-hmm. got to do it. And so can, can you kind of help us to understand what that is even look like in your own life? Sure. When I thought that was where we were in our lives to stay home and farm and, and support these crazy missionaries, mm-hmm. um, that's not a bad thing, but I am just eternally grateful that the Lord allowed me to be part of this. Um, it, it, um, it's hard to sit home in Iowa and realize a lot of these things. Sure. But when you walk down the street and, and a mom hands you a baby and wants you to hold it, and she doesn't mean take care of this while I go get some water, she means I want you to take my baby. It's pretty hard to walk away from that. So you're literally walking down the road in Haiti and a mom will just come up to you mm-hmm. and hand you her infant mm-hmm. and hoping that you will 
walk away with that child. Mm-hmm. She, she has nothing. Right. She can't even feed the baby. She yeah. has no milk, has no nothing. Right. Um, that, that's life-changing for me. Yeah. And uh, I share many times that, you know, th- those moms and dads have the same dreams and desires as I do for my kids and my mm-hmm. grandkids. Sure. And it's only by the grace of God, and and sometimes I'm not really sure about that even, of, of uh, that that I live and my kids live here, because there's advantages to living in Haiti because of all this materialism you get away from. Sure, sure. But you know, only by the grace of God, uh, our family isn't there. Mm. And so that little boy that's 10 years old that just walked into our street kid program is no different than my 10-year-old grandson. And how can I just go home and say everything's good? Mm. So the level of commitment, I think everybody needs to go to Haiti yeah. once. Sure. You just do, right? if at all possible. High school kids need to go to Haiti. And many of them will come home and say, talk about first world problems as opposed to real problems. Right. There's, there's, a, there's a different feel to writing a check or putting your credit card number in and clicking submit mm-hmm. versus smelling, seeing, and in some cases even holding um, literally life in your hands because your decisions is someone else's only hope. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't think anyone, if they're being honest with themselves, couldn't sit there and say, yeah, I could see that that also could change your life a bit too, just as much as saying, I'm going to be a little less materialistic or a little more generous. Um, so I appreciate that. That, that mm-hmm. at least helps me even. Um, so, But one thing was uh, that was key to us as we started, rather than supporting another ministry, and there's there are a few good ones around, several good ones uh, that I could mention, but we just didn't want to write a check to some big organization and have them buy an Escalade in New York City with it. Sure, sure. We wanted our dollars to go and be used very effectively, mm. and we're bent on making sure that happens. So when you decide that you want to um, sponsor a well or a child or whatever whatever it is, mm. 100% of your money goes for that. There's no overhead that comes out of it. Wow. And we we work as efficiently as we can to use your dollars as effectively as we can. And that's where Eddie shines. Some of us um, use the reason of knowing where the money goes mm-hmm. as a reason to not give and, and, and responsibly so. And sometimes yes. we also use it a bit of as an excuse, um, to not give. Um, but I think, um, it, it's so awesome to hear. Yeah. Your $20 is going to this doctor by name today. You know, it's just so, um, because you know, and, um, I think that's awesome to have that opportunity to, um, build that relationship and trust with an organization like goal serve to just make that impact. So, um, Thank you. So there's many ways to help. Yeah. And I really appreciate your interest and giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming um, 
driving all the way down to Tiffin, Iowa to, <laughs> to be on our, well, right now, online-only church. Um, but um, there's uh, generous um, people out there who are already chipping in, uh, uh, I mean, by our standards, quite a bit to um, mm-hmm. to this campaign. And, and part of that's going to go to to help those kids in your stories. Um, so cool. that's that's exciting. And, you know, yeah. my hope is, uh, yeah, maybe sometime uh, we'll just uh, fly along with you and, um, and go, go uh, help and see. So I'd love to have you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ken, for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, I hope that was helpful, informative, enlightening to you. Thank you uh, again to Ken and his team and all of uh, them at GoServe for the impact that they're making. Um, I hope this uh, has given you a small glimpse, a new perspective into how some people live around the world while you and I are driving our cars and going here, there, uh, even in the midst of a pandemic, how people are still struggling uh, in different places around the world. In fact, not that far away from the United States. And so that's why it's important that we help. And one of the ways that you can help is through our, our Be Rich campaign that we're doing right now. Uh, we take everything that you give and we give it away 100%. Every dollar that you give goes, uh, like Ken said, to go serve. And they don't, there's no administrative fee there. They just take that and put that to work right away. And so if you missed it, our goal is to raise over $6,000 and give it here locally um, to families that are in need who are suffering, especially because of the economic situation that we're experiencing in the country because of the pandemic right now. Uh, And we're also giving $1,300 away um, to GoServe Global and the work that Ken was talking about and uh, helping to feed the orphans in those orphanages. And I was also informed this week, which I think is super awesome, really incredible, is that um, another individual would love to partner with the Be Rich campaign and do some more dollar for dollar matching. As I shared with you last week, uh, $1,800 of the first 1800 to go to local families was going to be matched. And now someone has come along and said that the, um, the donations for Haiti will also be matched, not up to 1300 but actually up to $1,800 again. So what that means, the bottom line for you, that means that Infused Church and those of you watching today, if you give combined, or I guess you could write a single check, whatever works for you. uh, If you give up to $3,600, every single dollar of that will be matched. So if you give towards Haiti and we have $1,800 that we can give to Haiti, that's going to be dollar for dollar match. So we can make not just our goal, but we can exceed that. And there are so many projects like Ken talked about. There's more than we can absolutely do. And so we have to decide, but they have projects and needs. Things break down. Things need to be fixed uh, right away that we can, if we can give more, we will, and we will make a bigger impact. So thank you for those of you um, who are thinking about that, who have given or maybe convicted, maybe to give a little bit more. How you do that is you go, you can give or pledge on our website, infuse.church slash be rich. If you go to this website, there's more information, there's videos you can watch, links to GoServe's website, and you can give or pledge. Pledging is a new thing. If maybe you're like, I can't give as much as I want to give this month alone, I'd like to give a little bit more. So you can pledge to give over the next three months an amount. And so you can say, hey, by the end of January, I commit to giving to Be Rich, uh, you know, 
$500 and then pay that incrementally over the next three months. Or maybe you have that $500, you want to do a one-time gift, you can click that give button and give there as well. All on our website, infuse.church slash be rich. Now I know there are a handful of you out there that are thinking to yourself, but Taylor, I want to do even more. And that is fantastic. And uh, that makes all this work that we're doing even easier. Um, and it helps out a lot more. And so I wanted to give you two more options of ways that you can specifically help go serve and the work that they're doing um, right now. The first is you can go to our website, infuse.church slash Haiti. And this will redirect you specifically to GoServe's website and all of the orphans that have not yet been sponsored in Lakai, Haiti, the, the place that um, Ken was just talking about. So if you go to this web address, it'll take you right there and it will list out all the orphans that have not yet been fully uh, supported. And so how you do that is you can either pay a share uh, of an orphan per month or you can um, pay the entire monthly amount for each orphan. You can find all the information there. So all you have to do to sponsor a child is to go to this web address and it will redirect you and uh, take care of all that for you and to try to make that really easy. The other thing that you can do is if you want to actually go meet these kids, if you actually want to lend a hand, if you want to hang out with Ken and I for about a week in Haiti, uh, we would love to have you. And so if you are more, th- uh, if you are interested in going on a little bit of a missions trip in the beginning of this coming year, so the beginning of 2021, please go to um, your email Uh, and send me an email, taylor at infuse.church. Send me an email, and I will begin a conversation with you about how that looks. It's a limited space available, very limited space available, um, but we would love to have you. And so if you're interested in that, if you would be willing to make that commitment and come at the beginning of this coming year, uh, we'd love to put a missions trip together, and Ken would love to take us. So um, you can find out more information by just dropping me an email, and uh, I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. What I'd like to do right now is to take a moment uh, to pray, share with you some discussion questions, and then we'll wrap up today's service uh, with Devin, a really fun video, and some worship. So right now, if you would, close your eyes, bow your head if it's safe to do so, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the good work that you do in people's lives and the lives of those who have made that decision to, to trust you, to put their faith in you, and to be open to your leading to these, um, you know, God moment kind of meeting, God ordained kind of meetings like Ken had with Eddie that not just changed their lives, but changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people who desperately, desperately needed it. Lord, my prayer is that each and every one of us uh, tuning in this morning and those that watch this uh, later, that our hearts and our minds would be moved by the good works that you do maybe move to the point of putting our faith, desiring to trust, beginning to pursue maybe what it looks like to trust you. And that, Lord, our hearts and our minds would also be moved to see other people's perspectives, their experiences that are so different than our own. And in so doing, figure out ways to love our neighbor, love those people, love the children of God better. To maybe take that step of giving, to maybe take that step of serving, of going on a mission trip, whatever it may be, that we would cross over that line because you loved us first 
And we want to love those who need it most. We want to love the hurting world that we live in because you loved us first. Lord, give us the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the direction that we need to invite these chance meetings into our lives and to take steps out of our comfort zone, to see different perspectives, to see different ways people live and to love in the midst of that more and better. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, here's a couple of discussions.